and this is the Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading, and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you. Hi, you all. Welcome to this episode of Homestead Education. It is Mandy and Angela, of course. We hope you are doing so good today. Um, Gosh, so I reached out to Angela. I mean, we talk all the time, but she is going to teach us today about tapping trees on our homestead. I personally have not ever tapped a tree, um, but Angela has been doing it for years and um, she has so much information to share. So I think we'll just dive right in. Um, And hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. (laughs) Good. It is uh, very seasonably warm here, um, so I know you'll kind of get into weather patterns and things like that with tree tapping, but uh, as of right now, it doesn't look to be in, in my near future to be able to tap any trees. 70 degrees Fahrenheit is not tappable. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, pro, pros and cons. So right. we're, loving, we're loving this warm weather, but I am, I'm ready to slow down just a little bit. Um, okay, so tell me. Tell me how you got started or why. Why would anybody even want to dive into this other adventure? You know, we talk about all these things that you can do with your land or with your animals or in your kitchen. So why add something else? I think because for me, homesteading is a way to get outside and be connected with nature. It's easier to do that in the warmer months. It's harder to do that when it's cold outside. I personally do not like winter. I don't ice skate. I don't ski. I don't do any of the so-called winter activities. So for me, when I learned that you could tap your own trees for syrup, I was like, I've got a reason to go outside now. And granted, yeah, I have animals to take care of and that sort of thing, but it's something that I can look forward to, something that's specific to the winter season that benefits the homestead. Um, And it's so accessible. If you live, well, not even because you can tap more than maples. We'll talk about that later. But I mean, specifically, if you live in the eastern portion of the United States, the eastern half, um, you've got maples you can tap. So it is super accessible. It's awesome. I like that outlook. I mean, I think that it is um, when you just think about homes and as a whole or farming or, you know, ranching, whatever, whatever you do. Um, yes, we have animals to tend to, but if you don't, um, your garden is sleeping and, you know, it's kind of like hibernation season and it can become a little bit just like a lull. Um, and so, yeah, if you have something to get, get outside and an activity to do that, I mean, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it's a dark season, right? Daylight is so short. It's kind of depressing if you're inside all day because it's cold or a major day job that doesn't allow. Um, I mean, it just gets you outside. It gets you moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's good. Yeah. Find some time for some fresh air. Okay. So, um, when, when do we even think about doing this? We're talking about seasons and stuff. So when is it actually accessible? Okay. So one of the common comments that I get when I post on social media about tree tapping is, I live in Maine. How are you in New Jersey tapping trees already? We don't tap until February, March. It it has nothing to do with your geographical latitude. What it has to do with is temperature. So just like any other thing, when it comes to gardening and growing zones, 
has to do with temperature and specifically when the daytime temperatures reach above 32 degrees Fahrenheit and at night it falls below 32 degrees Fahrenheit. You want that fluctuation of freezing between day and night because that is what is going to be the catalyst for making sap flow up and down a tree in these little tubes called, I think, xylems. It's crazy. I mean, gosh, yeah. And it is so it's, you bring up a really good point with, with like growing zones and things like that. I mean, um, we technically have a very similar growing zone, but we battle or, you know, there are a lot of different challenges. So, I mean, that's, a, that's a really good point. You could live very close, um, quote unquote, you know, in proximity to somebody, but your, your weather patterns, or your microclimates are, are very different. Totally. Um, yeah, to- totally different. Okay. So you said that you, it needs to be below freezing at night, above freezing during the day. You got it. So for me here in New Jersey, and I don't know how this is going to be you for in Missouri, but we hit that at the end of December. And obviously if it's a one-off day, don't go out and start tapping your trees. If it's just going to warm up again, we're talking like long-term forecast, 10 day forecast says every single day. And so that's what you're trying to hit. And so for me, I tap from the end of December to about late January, those spiles come out once February's in for sure, because we're just too warm by then. And that's usually when people in the north, northeast of the United States, Maine, Vermont, that's when they're just inserting their spiles to tap. That's so interesting. So, I mean, there are probably, I mean, I know that most people can probably do this, but there will be places that, that can't do this, right? I mean, right. I'm not sure. So our weather is very sporadic here in the Midwest. I mean, we, we get very, very cold come like February. So that would be, a, you know, a, a no go for us. So yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to look into it because I, it is a goal of mine. I would love to do it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so in thinking about preparation for that, like what, what, what do I need to get? What do people have to have? To okay. Do? So first you need a tree, right? You can't <laughs> just be any maple. It can't be any maple. And we'll include it in the show notes. If you don't have sugar maples, you can tap any maple, uh, but you can also tap birch, walnut, black and English walnut, lindens, box elders. Are these things going to taste exactly like maple syrup that you know from the grocery store? No, because they all have different tasting sap, just like all plants with all varieties of lettuce taste a little bit different, right? It's the same thing. So you can tap different trees and different trees yield different amounts of sap and they have a different sugar content. So that means it could, it could take more or less amounts of sap to make syrup. For the most part, you need a maple tree that's going to be at least 10 inches in diameter. We say that because anything younger, smaller than that, you're going to damage the heartwood, right? We have our outer bark. And then you think of when you're counting the rings, the count of trees age, you don't want to damage that. And so what we need to do is make sure our tree is large enough. Um, you can put more than one tap in if you have a massive tree. You know, I usually say, okay, if it's like 20 inches, you know, about two feet around or more, I do two. Um, if it's going on like 25 inches or more, I go around three and then I usually put those, I'd say about eight inches apart, um, on the tree's surface. So they're not within eight inches of each other. But that being said, the minimum needs to be 10 inches. 
Then you need your actual equipment. Okay, so what, what do you need? You need spiles. Those are the little taps, if you will, that you insert into the tree. Usually they're metal, uh, but you can also get plastic ones. I prefer the metal ones. You need a drill bit. The measurement size of the drill bit is a 5 sixteenths inch bit. You need a drill. Definitely um, a cordless battery-operated drill is going to be better than like one of the old school turn crank ones. Trust me, I tried because I thought it was all vintage and cute. And I'm out there like drilling away with a crank forever. Don't do it. It's not even worth it. Maybe a cute photo op and then move on. No impact drills. I've done it. That's a drill where it has the hammering effect as it puts in the the bit. Uh, It's going to get stuck in the tree. So just don't do that. It just got to be standard drill. You have your drill, you have your bit, you insert your spile gently with the hammer, take a little stick, anything off the ground and just clean out any sawdust in that hole. And then you just really need a bucket to catch your sap in. I know that we all think of this bucolic image of, oh, hey, let's hang the sweet metal buckets on the tree. And that's that's a stunning view, uh, but they freeze, right? They're metal. Same reason we don't feed our animals or give them water in metal buckets in the wintertime. They're going to freeze. So the best thing that you can do is I do the five-gallon food-grade buckets like you get at the hardware store, and I set those on the ground, and I run a hose, a plastic hose, from my tree tap that drips right down into the bucket, which rests on the ground. When you have a larger bucket like that, that's plastic, it's not going to freeze. And on top of that, you can collect more. So you're not out there as much harvesting. If you have a small, teeny, tiny metal bucket, you have to go get it constantly, sometimes multiple times throughout the day, depending on the sap flow. So it just makes more sense to do a larger bucket to spread out your harvesting times. That's all you need. I mean, yeah, this is, and you can help me and us know where to get all this stuff. Oh yeah. Amazon. (laughs) Okay. I love this. This is, this is awesome. I, I mean, it, it, I'm just circling back to, um, it, it really actually seems like a quite easy task, right? And then it is. So rewarding. I mean, this is all about teaching yourself how to do new things and it is extremely beneficial. I mean, if you, you know, replace one thing that you get at the store, but how cool you're like, Hey, let me make these pancakes. And, um, I also made this syrup. It's awesome. I know it is just, it is so cool. Well, I think Um, how expensive syrup is. I know. And there's a reason for that because it's labor intensive. And we'll talk about the time involved in a minute with when it comes to boiling. But um, also, if you want pure maple syrup without any additives, um, I mean, you're going to you're going to pay a higher amount for that. And then if you want something that costs less, there's always going to be like high fructose corn syrup or something that makes it super thick. Okay. You all, maple syrup is not supposed to be super thick and like coagulated. It's it's not. That's not what it naturally is. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, that's just for, for everything that we kind of talk about. I mean, it is the labor and the work that we put into doing all of these things, you know, is replacing maybe a monetary value where you would go and buy it at the store. Um, Okay. So we have all of our equipment. We know like the temperature. Can you talk, I guess, maybe a little bit and we can put some resources in show notes, but how do you identify a tree? Like how do you know what is a good one to even put a spile Mm -hmm. in? Yeah. Good vocab. Look at you. 
yeah. homestead jargony. Nice job. <laughs> um, okay. So the easiest time to identify a maple tree is obviously when the leaves are on the tree. So I've got a YouTube video up. We can link to that to talk about the shape of a maple leaf. And we'll talk about the different colors. You can, like I said, you can tap any maple. It's just going to be different levels of sugar and the sap. Uh, but you can also tell by the bark. So maple, sugar maple specifically, bark is very dark, like almost black. And it has a very specific texture to it. It does have ridges, but it tends to be a little bit flatter. Or I guess you could say more smooth in comparison to others. Um, if your leaves are off the tree and you are dead set on you're going to tap this year. One really easy thing that you can do is just go out into the woods or wherever your trees are. See if any of them have dripping sap because a sugar maple is so happy to leak sap through any hole, crack or crevice on the surface of the bark. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that's a great way to tell, okay, this is, this is my sugar maple here. Other ones don't tend to leak quite as much as a sugar maple will. Gosh, that's just so interesting. I mean, I'm learning so, so much. I'm so excited. Okay. Um, Okay. So yeah, well, absolutely links to that YouTube. I actually watched it, you all. And it was very, it was, I was like going to go outside and pick up all these leaves and try and see what trees that we had here on our homestead to be able to tap. Okay. So we have all of our equipment and we've identified the tree and, you know, the temperature is right and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, how long does it take to um, collect a, a sap? Or I mean, I guess maybe how long does it take to collect enough that is worthy of your time to boil it down? So that's a good question. Time-wise, it's totally dependent on the weather, temperature, and how quickly that, that sap is flowing inside the tree. So the better measurement would be rather than time is to say quantity, how much sap do you need? You need 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of syrup. And that's a lot. But that being said, do I wait until I have 40 gallons to boil down into one? Absolutely not, because that would be incredibly heavy for me to haul around the farm. So what I do is when my buckets outside are full, I just bring them close to the house and I leave them outside because I don't want to bring them indoors and have these sort of storage collection buckets heat up because then the sugar in the sap ferments. So I leave it outside so it stays cold. And once I have two five-gallon bucket fulls, that's 10 gallons, that's when I boil. Anything less than that's not really worth my time. For me personally, I boil at 10. I'm not getting a gallon of syrup, but I'm getting enough to create a few bottles. Okay. Um, so uh, we'll just use that reference, um, going forward. So if you are boiling down 10 gallons of sap, um, to get your syrup, how, I guess, do you do it outside and how long does that take? Yeah. So I think a lot of people picture fancy equipment, right? Hose lines all running to a sugar shack, which is what we call a little house or shed where we heat up sap into syrup with an evaporator. Evaporator is an industrial piece of equipment. It's usually commercial grade and it boils down a lot of sap. You don't need that. Um, That's great. I would love to have an evaporator. Me, I just create my my little fire pit. I mean, it's where we sit around and do s'mores. It's just fire pit. I put industrial pipe rod that you can get just at the hardware store. And I lay that over the top of our circular 
fire pit. So I'm building like a grate. Okay. So I use like four half inch galvanized rods and I set that on top of the circle and my pot goes on top and I have a huge giant stock gumbo pot. I got off of Amazon. This thing is something you you picture for like a a fish fry or a clam bake. And I set that right on top of the industrial pipe rod. The fire is underneath. And from start to finish, 10 gallons usually takes me around 24 hours. So what I do is pour all of my sap as much as will fit into the gumbo pot. It's heating up. There is a ton of steam. Now you could in theory do this indoors and just keep adding to the pot as the water evaporates off because we're trying to get rid of that water content and retain just the sugar. But here's the problem. That water that's evaporating off is still sticky. And if you do it all inside from start to finish, a coating of sugar drips off all of your walls, cabinets. It's happened to me more than I care to admit. And it takes a lot of elbow grease to get that off. So just do it outside. Um, You're going to start the process outside. And then I'd say, I leave it on the fire until all of my um, harvested sap that I've collected is down to about a quarter of what I started with. And in other words, when it fits into a stock pot that I can comfortably put on my stovetop and I can bring indoors and I don't have to worry about it coating my walls and cabinetry with sugar steam. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, I, yes, I feel like you're doing a very good job. I can picture you doing it, but I can picture me doing it, which is just very exciting. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, that just seems, it seems so simple and I just love, I, it does, it actually feels kind of just nostalgic in a way to, um, I mean, think about it, it is very labor intensive, uh, to do all of this, but you, you know, the benefit far, far outweighs anything that, that we're talking about in regards to like a con, um, to doing this. Okay. So we boil it and then you bottle it really. Right. Or I mean, what do you do after you have, so I'm going to back up, I guess a little bit. So we have all of our sap and you're boiling, boiling it down. And the idea or the end goal is to evaporate the water from the sap to make the syrup. Is that just kind of like dumbing it down a little bit? Correct. We're trying to reduce water content. Okay. How do you know when you've done it? Like if you're not doing 10 gallons and you don't know like the time period, you know, if everybody wants to follow this 10 gallon time period, it takes about a day. But what if you do more or less? How do you know the fourth when you're down to like a fourth of what you had? Is that a good? Well, no, a fourth is when I will bring it inside into a smaller pot and I can keep a close eye on it on the stovetop. The reason I want to keep an eye on it is because I let it overboil it's going to harden and it can burn. I mean, best case scenario, it would turn into maple sugar, which is great. Um, But it's going to start to foam. And you're looking for 218 degrees Fahrenheit. If you have a hydrometer, you're looking for 66 bricks is the measurement. One bricks is 1% sugar. We want 66% sugar. So the, the, you need the temperature to be right. You need your hydrometer reader to be reading correctly. Um, the other thing you do is you just do a simple spoon test. So when you have hot syrup, it tends to thicken ever so slightly as it cools. So you're going to remove it from the heat when you think you're about done. You're going to dip a spoon in there. And when you pull up the spoon and it starts to drip off, it should be thick. It should look like what you think of as syrup. It's going to taste amazing. 
because it, the, the taste is incredible, but we're really looking also for just a little bit of a thicker consistency. We don't want sugar water. Um, so you just kind of keep an eye on those three things, that trifecta together. If it's not ready, throw it back on, boil it down some more. Maybe it's already midnight and you're dying to go to bed. No problem. Turn off the burner, go to bed, restart next, you know, first thing the next morning. Um, you're looking for 218 degrees Fahrenheit, 66 bricks. And if it passes the spoon test, put a filter, drain, strain it through a coffee filter in a funnel, put it in your bottle, seal it. You're done. You're wow. good. To go. Okay. Okay. But you don't have to worry about the temperature or the bricks until the end. Right. So right. when it's like the big boil outside, you're not, you're not necessarily worried about that. The, the fire can be, it actually needs to be brought to a boil. Correct. Oh yeah. It's a okay. rolling boil because you okay. want that steam. Rolling boil is going to, it's going to vapor off as quickly as possible. Okay. I, I think that you've done a very, very good job explaining this. I feel like I could go do it tomorrow. Can do it. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad it's approachable. Um, I think the reason more people don't do it is because they don't know they can tap any and all maple trees. And then also because yes, you're carting yourself out there back and forth from the home in the wintertime is cold. But then also once you finally get your sap, you have to accumulate enough to boil down and make it worth your while. And then it's a waiting game. It's really not that hands-on. I mean, you're drilling, you're collecting, you're boiling. It's just all the time in between that I think makes it seem a little bit um, of a headache. And that I think that's what turns people off into doing it. But you can do it. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it is labor intensive when you think about the, like the definition of that, but it's actually not because you're, it's time sensitive. Maybe you're actually not, it's not very laborious. Um, well, I really, I mean, is there anything else that anybody needs to know? I don't know. I can't think of any other major questions. I mean, we'll put all this stuff in show notes Um, the identification of the tree, I think is very important, which I think it probably, you know, scare off for lack of better words, scare off some folks, but you'll help with that. And then, you know, getting the, the few materials that you need. Um, and then, yeah, you put your finished product in a glass bottle. I do. It goes in glass. Um, other quick tips to keep in mind. Put a lid on your buckets outside, and if you can drill a hole through it to run your hose through, or you can purchase, if you're using metal buckets, lids on hinges. The reason you want to do that is if it rains, obviously you're going to catch rain in your bucket. It doesn't contaminate your sap. It's just then you're collecting more frequently, and you're going to have more water that you just need to burn off during evaporation. And then, let's see, the other thing to keep in mind is just that you know, this is something that is supposed to be fun. If you're not enjoying it and if it's not your thing, don't pressure yourself to do it. Um, if it's not tasting right, um, don't eat it. Uh, <laughs> if it's cloudy sap. It shouldn't be boiled. It's uh, supposed to be clear. It looks like water. It's not supposed to come out of the tree looking like syrup. It only caramelizes and turns brown and looks like syrup once you've boiled it down. So you're going to be collecting what you think is water from your tree. Okay. That's a good tip. I mean, yeah, we don't want to be, we don't want to be wasting all this time for something that might not be, um, edible. Mm -hmm. Um, I really appreciate it. 
I really honestly feel like I don't know anything about this, um, but I feel like this, you know, uh, tutorial, if you will, could lead me to go and, and do it. So I think that this is encouraging for folks and it's so exciting. Um, circling all the way back to the beginning, it is exciting. It is important to get outside during these winter months when there maybe isn't a lot going on on the homestead and to go out and just like take a big, deep breath of fresh air and have an activity and something to look forward to. So I appreciate it. Thank you. No, absolutely. And like uh, we said before, also in the beginning, a list of all different kinds of trees, no matter where you are in the U.S., even in the world, we'll put that in show notes and we'll talk about how much sap you need to boil down into syrup. I'm going to put a link to my online create your own maple syrup class. I walk you through identification, the actual collection process and the boiling process. We're going to link to the tree identification video, which I have on YouTube. And then I also just put a couple links for just getting like a standard maple syrup making kit and hoses and supplies, just those things that are accessible to everyone on Amazon. So check out the show notes. All the info is there and waiting for you. Awesome. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening and have the very best day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Homestead Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at axeandroothomestead.com and on Instagram at axeandroothomestead. Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. We'll see you next time.